the meditation connection helps me relax and know that I have my part to play in a particular interaction and I can do my best, but the outcome is not going to be determined only by my performance in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way to sort of let go of the outcome and just focus more on doing my best in that moment. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Welcome to episode 30 of The Art of We. We're excited to talk about something that's very near and dear to both of our hearts, both in current relationship with each other, but also historically we have a big background, each of us, in meditation. And we're going to be touching on our experience of how meditation can really be impactful in relationship and not just an intimate partnership, although that's extremely helpful, but also in any kind of relationship that we're in and the benefits of that. But before we get into that, we would really love to hear if there's any specific topics that you want to hear about. We would really love to hear from you, know what interests you. Please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a comment in the reviews about what you'd like to hear about. Or you can go to our website at kristavanderveer.com and contact us directly through the website. Well, why don't we start this conversation with some background of, you say that we both had a deep experience with meditation before our relationship started. Tell us a little bit about that for you and how you got involved and how that all unfolded for you. I was first introduced to a man who I ended up following his work for a long time who went by Junpo Roshi. And he has an extraordinary story about his journey. But he was a teacher that would come visit Boulder every so often. And we had a a center here called the Integral Center. And he would come and he would give talks. And I was introduced to him that way. And then it's just so happened that the company that I worked for, for many years called The Collaborative Way, the founder of that company was in deep practice with this Roshi as well around meditation. And so a big part of training us as consultants was getting deeply involved inside of Junpo Roshi's methodology, meditation. We would go as a company to these silent retreats that were about week long each. And I really started my meditation practice back then. And it changed my life ever since. And I I can go more into the methodology and why it changed my life. But as a consultant, as a human, as a person who's in relationship, it really deepened my experience of feeling super solid and centered inside of life generally. And when I'm not meditating, I can definitely feel the vast difference of that. So that was basically how I got into meditation. And I'm curious. So when you say Roshi, you're referring to a Zen lineage, right? Jumpo Roshi was a lineage holder in a a Zen tradition. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And he 
my understanding is he also innovated on traditional practices in Zen. So I wonder if you could, without going too far down the technical rabbit hole here of, of Zen practice, I, just for listeners who are not familiar with Zen practice, what what were some of the things that you did with him in silent retreat and what were some of the practices that happened, you know, on a, a day-to-day level? Without going into the super technical aspects of his teachings, it was really about listening and getting underneath the chatter or training the brain to basically stop the chatter and, and keep coming back to stillness. I mean, the practice, it's a win if you actually wake up to noticing your brain going off on these tracks. It's like, that's the win. And you come back to listen. And a big part of his invitation was listening, actively listening below the thoughts and the opinions that are running through your brain. So it's not like we're just getting to some sort of stillness and being like, oh, and kind of going, you know, floating off into space. It's like we're actually cultivating a deeper relationship and listening with what is. And so the daily practice would be just that is coming back to listening, essentially, and listening below the thoughts and opinions that infiltrate our brains. When did you start noticing that this deeper listening practice was impacting your listening with other people? Well, I'll give credit to Lloyd Fickett, again, the founder of The Collaborative Way. He he was relentless in his training me to get into this deeper listening space rather than coming with filters about what I think the person is saying, my assumptions about what they're saying, So it really bled over into listening deeper into what the essence of the communication is versus the actual words they're saying, the person is saying to me. And in combination with a bunch of different practices with the collaborative way, I would say that it bled over into relationship really when I took a bigger stand for what's possible in relationship rather than a kind of somewhat unsatisfactory banter or materialistic relationship with people. And I took a deeper stand. And in order to change relationship with people, I actually had to slow down and stop and look at the way my brain was interpreting who they are and what they're saying and be committed to a different and deeper level of contact with what's below their words, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I mean, I've, I've experienced your listening over the years that we've been together now. And for the listener out there, I can just say that having a partner who has practiced this depth of listening and getting underneath the automatic reactions and stories is incredible. It's uh, exquisite to be on the receiving end of that kind of listening. Mm. And it's a high bar for me to live into and, and step up to. I think it's really exciting to for me to hear about the application of meditation and so to speak real life, you know, this collaborative way method of coaching executives and leaders. It's quite different, I would say, from my experience with meditation practice, which was in a different tradition from yours. There's one more piece I want to add about how it started to come more into relationship. There are many different pieces, but you're just reminding me of one nugget, which which actually feels very relevant. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my previous partner before you, who ended up dying suddenly in 2015, before he died, 
I remember a really big fight that we were having and we were in the car and we were on Pearl Street in Boulder and he was really upset because he was trying to communicate to me something about that I don't know how to love a man and then I needed to learn how to love a man. And it was, at the time, I was kind of like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I, I train men on how to be with women and I don't know, you know, like I, at the time I was like working at the Integral Center doing some work with men and I got very positional about his comment. And then after he died, I really got the opportunity to look back and be schooled about how I was or wasn't loving him in the ways, specifically how I wasn't loving him. And part of it was that, that I wasn't actually fully listening to him in the way that we're talking about because of my filters, my assumptions, my ego, the things that got in the way of that. And so in terms of intimate relationship, you know, I really at that moment committed to, I was on my knees because he had just died and I was really committed to actually doing something different in terms of loving a man and a big part of that to me is listening, really listening to him. Thanks for sharing that additional piece. That's big. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it actually really prepared me for you and for this relationship and this kind of relationship. Thank you for doing that work and thank you to him for inviting you into a deeper listening there. Totally. So grateful. And so your background is different. How did you enter into meditation and start to see the value of it? I met my teacher about maybe 1999-ish and uh, started sitting with him. He was a uh, Tibetan Buddhist scholar and practitioner and very precise with instruction and academically oriented, wrote books about Tibetan Buddhist meditation. And I learned practices that really helped me still my mind and get deeper into that open space inside that when you when you investigate what's happening inside you you learn a lot about what's in there and what's not in there mm -hmm. and so silent meditation retreats in groups and and also by myself over many years gave me uh, a deeper contact with that stillness and yet in the lineage that I was practicing and there weren't applications so much out off the cushion. It was sort of like, you know, pay attention to how you are as soon as you sit, you know, stand up from your cushion and see mm. how you are in the mm. world. There was that invitation, but it was pretty casual and there was no framework for really mm. assessing that. So what I noticed was that I would enter these very deep states over hours and hours of practice. But as soon as I got up off the cushion, I was a mess and I was running these old tapes from childhood and relationship and reacting to people. And I could control my reactivity through mindfulness and breathing, but it was kind of holding on by the fingernails kind of feeling. Mm. And so this deep gap kind of developed for me between what I was experiencing on the cushion and what was happening off the cushion. And that was pretty disturbing to me. Well, there was also another component here, which I think is relevant, which is, and correct me if this isn't accurate, but the partnership that you were in at the time, it kind of seemed like you both got the direction of like, go sit on your cushion and figure your stuff out on your own, not figuring it out inside of a relationship. And so 
I'm imagining that meditation became kind of this solo relationship in a certain way to escape some of the pain of the relationship versus the opportunity to use the tools to heal the relationship. It's true. There was, I've said this on the podcast before that we were working with a couple therapists whose attitude was a very Buddhist attitude of, you know, your own disturbance is your and your alone responsibility. There's no sense of being in it together with your partner. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of an allergy to that perspective and amongst Buddhist practitioners that somehow anyone else would ever be involved in your disturbance and that the disturbance itself is a a kind of um, appearance in your mind for you to alone to work with. There's no responsibility in anyone else for the disturbance you're having. Mm-hmm. So it's a very siloed approach. And after a while, the limits of that became apparent to me. And that's when I started you know, looking for other ways to, to get well because I needed other tools. But the foundational element of relationship with one's own mind was incredibly powerful and helpful. And for anyone out there listening who hasn't encountered meditation really as a technology to discover what is really happening um, inside your mind, it's, it's just hard to describe the impact of having that tool in your toolkit. Yeah. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about how this tool actually impacts relationship. We can talk about how it impacts our relationship. And also, I would say our team members, our families, and how we apply it directly. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance, and now back to the episode. Welcome back, everyone. I want to briefly summarize. We could talk about this for hours, but there's there's a really important piece about this attitude about meditation that's different from a kind of uh, more superficial level. And the superficial level is kind of like, I'm an anxious, stressed out person, or I'm having a a moment of stress and I'm going to take a few deep breaths to kind of gather myself or center myself. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, you could say, stress reduction strategy. But what we're talking about here is a much deeper view about what is underneath the personality of the person. And the idea here that there is presence that is non-personal and you could call it divinity inside of each person and also outside of each person. And when we're in conflicts or we're moving through the world and we're perceiving ourselves as a separate person, there tends to be an impulse to reinforce 
that separateness or to defend our territory or feel protective of that point of view. And so I think it's important to mention that this deeper level of relationship with meditation gives us an anchor or a, or a perspective that's deeper than you and me. We talk a lot about the I perspective on this show. And it's sort of what fundamentally underlies this we perspective is that everyone is a transmitter of this, or you could say receiver of this awareness. And we're all having subjective experiences that are filtered through the lens of personality, but the ultimate experience at the fundamental level is shared and it's not unique and it's not personal. So it becomes a reference point that allows us to, as you often say, go underneath the story and the opinion to the deeper level where there's no separateness. There's no actual, there could be a perception of separateness, but there's no actual separateness. Yeah. And I really feel like the art of we is really about coming back into that remembering ultimately. And I could get on my soapbox about how if this if there's any change that this world really needs right now, it's like, let's remember that. Let's remember that we're all coming from this same essence and we're all on the same freaking team. You know, how do we get back to remembering that we're all on the same team ultimately? And that shows up in partnership. It shows up in companies. It shows up in family. And if we're meditating and we're in contact, deeper contact with this remembering, can we be the orienting principle that's helping everybody remember inside the system that we're in that that's in fact true. I know that for me, when I'm not meditating, I start to feel like I'm just kind of getting swung, swung around all the different external inputs and needs and circumstances versus actually being a grounding center point for people to remember when they're with me too, if that makes sense. Like I actually end up contributing to the chaos more when I'm not practicing meditation on a consistent basis. Yeah, I can, I can definitely feel it in my system too. And, you know, we, you and I strive for a daily practice and there are times when that goes off the rails, like having a new puppy in the house, for example, (laughs) (laughs) not to name names, but, uh, we, you know, this background that we both have makes, I think makes us sensitive to what it's like when our meditation practice falls away and there's just more static in the system. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that in terms of you and me, when we are getting into a rupture or when there's somebody's nervous system is dysregulated or there's something in the field, like the practice is, is dropping, dropping into ourselves to this deeper knowing. And it, when we can do that, it has an extraordinary impact on what happens next. And I would say the same is with team members. You know, if we're facing something that comes up that is, quote unquote, a failure or something went wrong or something that the rails or they're coming with their own challenging personality, I think the opportunity there is to really center ourselves in this grounded perspective so that we can come at the issue or the problem from a different level of consciousness rather than meeting the same consciousness and getting into a battle or creating again more chaos. Yeah, it's a powerful tool, not just at home, but but also at work 
I agree with that for sure. Are there any ways specifically that you're aware of, Will, that you reap the benefits from your meditation practice in terms of your daily experiences in relationship? I think that the biggest value for me just has to do with the biggest challenge that I think I face in relationship, which is too much concern about what people think or worry about there's going to be a rupture if I don't act a certain way. Mm-hmm. And what happens in that moment? There's a metaphor that I find helpful relating to the question of how does meditation help me day to day in relationships? And it's a metaphor from a book called Perfect Love and Perfect Relationship by John Wellwood. And he talks about the ego being the manager of the store who sometimes gets confused and thinks he's the owner of the store. (laughs) And then the ego tries to convince everyone that he's the owner when he's not. Mm. And it's just incredibly anxiety provoking for the ego to try to front that off because it's so not true. Mm. And he doesn't even know what owners do, but he's faking it. (laughs) And so when I'm in contact with this deeper awareness in myself, in interactions with others, my personality, my ego doesn't need so much to get stuck on doing it right or making sure that the right outcome happens Mm -hmm. because the ego in such circumstances knows that it's not completely in charge. Right. Right. I love that. So I guess another way to say it is the meditation connection helps me relax and know that I have my part to play in a particular interaction and I can do my best, but the outcome is not going to be determined only by my performance in that situation. Mm -hmm. And so there's a way to sort of let go of the outcome and just focus more on doing my best in that moment. And presence is like what you said, bringing presence to it, real presence. Yeah. I feel like I just want to say that this is such a practice. It's like a meditation practice (laughs) to to apply meditation benefits to the daily life. It's like waking up for me. It's like waking up to when I think I'm the owner in terms of your scenario and coming back to realizing that I'm not the owner. I'm an equal and important part in the mix, but I'm not God essentially in this scenario. And remembering that and then bringing the listening, which I equate to really loving a human is to actually really listen deeply and listen to what else is underneath the words. Like you were saying before, there's so much information. When we go below the words and the opinions and the thoughts, there's so much opportunity for a deeper experience. It's kind of like for those of you who are listening and have been on a medicine journey, there's a way at times that one can get into contact with a different level of perspective and consciousness about the world. And I think that meditation practice is a non-medicine way of really hammering the nail in, so to speak, of living it in a daily way. And it's a practice every single day to come in contact with it, in my experience. My teacher used to call it refreshing the umbilical cord every day so it doesn't dry out. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Okay. Just flush some fluid down that umbilical Mm. cord. (laughs) Not lose contact with the mothership. 
Yeah. <laughs> on the, the moonwalk that we're on every day. <laughs> <laughs> One last super helpful frame that I learned when I was working for Lloyd in a collaborative way was this operating principle that he brought in his trainings that said, if you're not feeling heard, there's something you're not hearing. And ultimately this meant in terms of our trainings is that if you're talking with a teammate member or colleague, or in this case, your partner, and both of you are going back and forth and being like, but you're not, you're not hearing what I say, but you're not hearing what I say. It's this invitation to center yourself, drop, and actually practice this deeper listening for hearing what the other person is saying. Because usually when we're arguing about something, we're not actually getting to the nugget of what the person is saying. And so instead of resolving the tension, we're fighting about the tension. And I think that this also applies to meditation for me is that when I'm arguing with life about why I'm not being heard or seen or whatever, not getting the thing, the best thing for me to do in that moment is to put my ass on the cushion and to surrender into this deeper practice of listening to get the information that I'm actually seeking and to get back into resonance with this presence that you're talking about. So I thought I would offer that as a gem for those of you who like to be positional about your opinions in relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'm one of those people. Yeah, that's a, that's a great reminder. It's such a, it's such a great resource. And just to add on top of what you just said, that the, the daily practice is what is kind of the basis that you return to in moments like that. So it's kind of like you don't want to have a fire in your house and that's when you go figure out how to use the fire extinguisher. You right. know, you want to, you want to get familiar with it before there's a fire. So right. we live in a modern world where we have access to these things online. And of course it would be amazing if, for folks to find a local meditation community that they feel resonant with. And that's really just based on your own intuition, your own trust of the situation. And obviously there's been plenty of gurus who went down in flames. So, uh, you know, just be aware that there are dynamics to, to pay attention to there in any community. Mm -hmm. But if you're wanting to get started with something online, one app that I've tried out is called Headspace. And I've used it with, I've recommended it to my patients and they've come back and expressed positive experiences that they've had there too. It's a, um, a place where you can explore different techniques. And the teacher in there has a lovely British accent. So it's kind of fun to listen to. I'd love that. And I also use Insight Timer. That's another app called Insight Timer for when we meditate for the bell, but they also have various numbers of teachers in there that can help guide meditations. I think you and I are really standing for kind of like a deeper level of listening than, than a guided meditation, but these are accessible points to get you started if you don't have a meditation practice and you're interested. I wanted to mention another app that I tried out their seven-day trial and thought it was pretty great from... Sam Harris, I heard about it on the Tim Ferriss show and Sam Harris had a long experience as a monk, uh, meditator, and he's got a popular app called waking up. And I just really liked the frames that Sam Harris uses to describe meditation and neuroscience and, and what meditation is and how it works. So that's another resource for people to check out. 
Great. Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed the show. We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow the show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If the show sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We.